I get set up here this morning, I encourage you to take out your connection card. It's the white and green card in your program. And uh, take a minute and fill that out. Uh, and you can simply leave that on the pew behind you as you, uh, as after the service. And the ushers will come around and pick that up. If you are a guest here with us this morning, this will give us an opportunity just to say hello to you and to welcome you to the church. A couple of, uh, as you do that, let me highlight a couple of things on the calendar coming up. This afternoon is the gathering. The college young adult group will be meeting uh, 1.30. Also, next Sunday is uh, the children's ministry sleepover. And so I know that there are a number of people that have signed up for that. That'll be a fun time. We're going to sleep out here on the, on the grassy area. And so you can sign up for that on the, the table right here in the foyer, the pretzel kiosk, or you can sign up for uh, over by the children's ministry area. Um, so that, that'll sleep over Sunday and Monday night. We don't have showers here, so we're only making it one night. Try to keep it. Uh... And then uh, we also have a yellow um, flyer in the bulletin for the Harvester's Elder Law Issues Seminar. Um, women's ministry is having what they're calling a city walk, um, contact information, Diana Cho. So keep that in mind. Upcoming uh, West, West Coast Showcase, that's a talent show that we have, a fun time together. And so come and use your various talents to keep us entertained for a night, and we'll have a great time together. And then also we're starting to gear up now for our 5K race. And I saw that there was sign-up sheets in the, in the foyer by the side entrance over here. And uh, so, he, uh, so begin to th- start thinking about how you might be able to help out with the 5K race this upcoming year. And those are some of the uh, announcements to keep in mind. We continue to pray for Pastor Rick as he is away on sabbatical this summer. While he is away, we are doing a summer sermon series on the Songs of Ascent. The Songs of Ascent are Psalms 120 through 134, 15 songs that the Israelites would have sung as they made their way to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. God had asked them to go to Jerusalem to worship three times a year. And as they went, they traveled on foot through, from wherever they lived to go to the temple to worship, and they sang these songs. And as we see, these are songs that help prepare their hearts for worship. But how does this apply to us in 2016 as Christians? Well, these songs were not just to help them prepare to worship. These were actually songs that helped for, form them to become a type of people that would live for God and with God, in his, in his, uh, under his authority. And so this is where it is helpful for us as well. Because we are praying that as we go through these songs, and as we apply these things to our lives, that we would be formed to be the people of God that he, he would have us to be. And so this morning we talk about joy. And one of the defining characteristics that should be in a Christian's life is that we are to be people of joy. Now, unfortunately, Christians are sometimes not known as people of joy. But this is how, this is the people, but we are in general. This doesn't mean that we never pretend anything is wrong. But we have a deep-seated joy, a confidence in our, in our relationship with God that overflows for us to have joy. And so, 
as the Israelites went to Israel, as the, as the Israelites went to Jerusalem to worship God, these were days of celebration. Yesterday was kind of a high moment for me, a day of celebration. Yesterday was, my, was Chelsea and I's anniversary. Ten years we have been married. And uh, so we went out uh, last night and we sat down and had a nice dinner together, had a babysitter, and so we were able to just sit and talk and think, what has uh, 10 years been like? Kind of like a milestone, right? Uh, and we think over all that God has done in our lives in the last 10 years. And, uh, and I told Chelsea this, and I don't know if she really appreciated it at the time, but I said, I don't think I knew what I was getting into when I exchanged those rings and said those vows. And uh, I said, I don't know. But at the same time, even though... Uh, you know, I didn't fully know what I was getting into it. I can look back now and, in hindsight and say, what a blessing. Whatever I, it was I thought I was getting into, it was better than I could have imagined. That doesn't mean there haven't been some low periods and some difficulties. But overall, we just look at the life that we, God has given us and the ways that he has blessed us. And we have to say, it's better than we could have dreamt it to be. It's kind of the language that's used here in Psalm 126. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. In other words, when God saved us, it was better than we could have dreamt it to be. And I think about, my, I think about our marriage and how God has blessed us in these ways. And it was one of the best days of my life, without a doubt. More because of what's transpired since than the actual day itself. But then I also think about the salvation that God has brought to me. And I think, now that, while my wedding day was one of the best days of my life, the day I got saved was, without a doubt, the best day of my life. Not because it was so spectacular on the day. Again, this was a day, to be honest, I probably had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was pretty young, and I was just trying to make sure I wasn't going to go to hell when I died. But and now I look back on it, and I say, what a blessing. I can say along with, this, with this, uh, the song that we're going to look at this morning, on the day when God brought, uh, brought me salvation, when my sins were forgiven and I had new life in Christ, it was better than I could have dreamt it to be. So let's look at this psalm together. It is Psalm 126. And it reads, A song of ascents. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. And we are filled with joy. We store our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. Let's take a moment and ask for God's blessing upon the reading of his word and as we think about these things together. Father God, I thank you for your great salvation and the joy that it brings to us in our lives. 
those of us who are gathered here now who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ can probably say with one voice, God, you have blessed us uh, in such magnificent ways. It was better than we could have ever imagined it to be, better than what we could have dreamt it to be. And we thank you for your salvation. And God, as we think about this idea of joy, we pray that you would fill our hearts and our lives with joy. And God, as we look forward to the things that will come up this week and the things that will come up in the months and years to come, God, I pray that as your word says, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that this life of joy would seem so attractive to us that we would be able to throw off all these other things that so easily entangle and things that rob us of the life that you long for us to live, the life that ultimately, deep within our own hearts, we long to live. And so fill us with that joy, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the things that was kind of brought up in this video I showed this morning was that the Psalms are very honest. There are songs that don't sugarcoat anything, and I mean that talk about punching the bully in the nose and talk about the, the violence in life. And there are songs that speak on the opposite end of the spectrum of just this tremendous joy. And those are the songs that are really fun to dig into. And, this is, and so this here this morning, the psalm that we are looking at is a great and fun song to look at. This, this idea of a life of joy that God has called us to as we think about how he has blessed us. Children are great models of joy, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's kids that when the emotions are just so raw, boy, it can be the opposite end. They can get really mad really quick, but joy just comes flowing out of them sometimes. One of my favorite things to do uh, during the week is Kinsey, our our little one-year-old, goes to a, a daycare two days a week. It's not really a daycare. It's just a lady. She watches them. And uh, so I drop her off in the morning and then when I come and pick her up, I knock on the door, and usually she, the, the lady has the door open, so it's just the screen door, and I knock, and I say, hello, and I hear in the back of the house this scream, and this little person comes running out, and then she's just bouncing all over the place, like running in circles, and sometimes she gets so excited she can't even stand up, and she plops on her bottom, and just the, the sense of joy just to see her daddy, and I just dropped her off a few hours ago. And yet, is, this is such a beautiful picture of the joy that we are called to to have before our Heavenly Father. That God has saved us, that God has redeemed us in such a way and called us His children. And I know the emotions maybe aren't such a, at the forefront of our, even of our, of our whole bodies, the way it is in little kids, but may there be a deep-seated sense of joy that as we come before God, that we would understand that, man, how much he loves us, that it would fill our hearts with these uh, types of emotions. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Heaven is going to be a, full of place, a, a place full of joy. Joy is the serious business of heaven, and God is very serious about joy. It was out of out of joy that he created the world. It was out of joy that he formed us and that we were born. It was out of joy that he redeems the world and continues 
to work out his salvation. It is out of, joy is the serious business of heaven. So much so that God even commands it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say it, even if you, it, it, Paul's like, if you didn't get it the first time, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And we are called to be a people of joy. Joy is serious business because, first of all, joy flows from God's work in our lives. That's what, talk, that's what it talks about here at the beginning of this psalm. God, uh, the, the Israelites are reflecting about how God has saved them. The, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. I'm sure the first thought that came to mind when they think about how God has brought them out of captivity, brought them back to Zion, was when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, making bricks under evil and cruel slave drivers without straw. And they finally said, I've had enough. And they cried out to the Lord and God sent Moses. And Moses comes before Pharaoh over and over again and says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, not a chance, until finally he relents after the death of the firstborn children in Egypt. And so the Israelites go out and they come up face to face with the Red Sea and they, again, Moses goes and prays, holds out his staff, and what happens? The sea parts and the people begin to cross on dry land. And as they are going, they sing this song that's given in Exodus 15. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider he has hurled into the sea. So the Israelites reflect on this salvation and they're filled with joy. It wasn't too many generations later and they fall into captivity again, this time under the Babylonians. And the, and the Old Testament gives these, pic, these uh, horrific pictures. As we've seen horrific pictures even on the news uh, this week, we see pictures of the Israelites being raped in the streets, of cannibalism, of neighbors reduced to bestiality, of a hundred-mile walk across the desert uh, being brought into captivities as their, as their captors torment them. And then again, there is hope. Isaiah the prophet says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Speaking to those who are under Babylonian captivity. When you pass through the waters, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east. And this idea of salvation. The idea of the the Israelites were slaves and God freed them. And what a beautiful picture for us as Christians as well, right? We were once slaves to sin and death. But as Romans says, thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have uh, come to obey from the heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. And this is the source of our joy when we think of the salvation that God uh, gives. Verse 2 goes on to say we couldn't contain it. It's kind of like that little little, uh, kid that falls on his bottom, can't even standing up straight. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. It just came overflowing out of us. It's kind of like that picture uh, Paul talks about. He says, joy overflowing. I like that picture of joy overflowing. It just kind of continues to build up and overflow. I was in McDonald's one day a while back, and there was this little kid, 
And um, there's McDonald's or one of those fast food restaurants, you know, where you fill up your own fountain drink. And so he's up there trying to fi- uh, fill his orange, orange high C or whatever he was getting. And uh, he was short enough, he, he could reach the fountain machine, but he couldn't see when the cup was full. So he has it up there, and he's filling it, and he's waiting. And then the cup gets full, but he doesn't take the cup away. And it just keeps coming. And the reason he doesn't take the cup away is because he thought this was a hoot. He thought this was a great thing, and he's just giggling and laughing, watching the, watching the juice go over and flowing all over the machine. And, and I just sat back thinking, first of all, where's this kid's parents? The second of all, I just thought, man, what a, I couldn't help but giggle along with him because he was having the time of his life. And I thought, wow, what a picture of just like joy overflowing. This, uh, these, verse, these words come from 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2. And Paul says, in the midst of a severe trial, they have joy overflowing. Now you think of joy overflowing as during really good times. It's easy to have joy overflowing on your 10th anniversary and you have a babysitter watching the kids at home and you can talk and eat good food. But what about, as this passage says, joy overflowing in the midst of severe trial? When we think about awful, the awful things that are taking place around the world, we think about the hard times in our own lives. And then we think about, is it possible, really possible, by the grace of God, to have joy overflowing in the midst of these kind of difficulties. A deep-seated joy that is rooted in God, that is confident in what God has done for us and His work in our lives, and confident that the Lord that, is, that we gave our life to is still on the throne and working all things out together for the good of those who are, love Him and are called according to His purpose. And I have walked with people through Difficult stuff, way more difficult than I have been through personally, and been amazed at their faith in Jesus and how they are able to have joy in the midst of that. And, to, and that has been a powerful testimony to me, and I think that's the powerful testimony to the world as well. When people are able to look at our lives and say, man, there's something different about that person. How can they go through those difficulties and have joy? The end of verse 2 here in this psalm says, Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. Joy is a testimony to the world. That the, that the nations, that the world, that those around us would look at us and say, Wow, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I want some of that. But as I said, sometimes Christians do not have a reputation of being uh, people of joy. I got a friend that I grew up with. I don't see him but maybe once or twice a year. But I, grew up, but I knew him from when, he was, when we were growing up together. And so whenever I see him, I say, hey, how's it going? And to be honest, I don't really look forward to seeing this guy because it is always the same doom and gloom story. Now, he's a Christian, but, and I know he's trying to be real with me, and I respect that, I, and I, I appreciate that. But everything is always so negative. I just want to shake him and say, man. Take a minute and look around what God has done for you. He saved you. He's given you new life. You've got a wonderful wife, a beautiful daughter at home. I know of these things that you you tell me about, and yet, where is the joy? And then on the opposite side, I think of times when I've come into this church, and I know people that have 
been going through difficult time. And I know people that no matter what is going on in their lives, and I know they'll greet me with a smile and a friendly handshake. And I think about just the joy that is so often here. And I think now that is a stark contrast to those that live in the doom and gloom. And when we live in that kind of life, that is when we will be testimony and light to the world, right? That is like when this passage will say, uh, the nation said the Lord has done great things for them. And as people look at our lives and they notice how we carry ourselves, is it with joy so that they would be able to say, man, that person is a person that is full of joy. They really look, they, God must have done some wonderful things to them. You see, God is a God of joy. In fact, I think joy is one of his defining characteristics. Like I said, I think joy is one of the main reasons he created the world. I think one of the joy is one of the main reasons he calls us to himself. But if you were to take out your typical theology book and look at all of the attributes of God, they will have probably open with God's holiness. And then they'll talk about, there'll be several chapters on God's love and his grace and his mercy. Probably be a chapter on his faithfulness. But there are very few theology books that devote a lot of time to God's joy. G.T. Chesterton wrote a theology book called uh, Orthodoxy. And, and he says in this, he talks about joy. Because children, and we've already mentioned how j- children can have is just this, this vitality, this joy. Because children have a, a bounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They will say, do it again. And the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. Can any of you relate to that? Do it again. Do it again. How many times am I going to pull this quarter behind my ear? Uh, But for grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt in monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt in monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. And it may not be an automatic necessity that all daisies, that he makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately, but has never gotten tired of making them. And it may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old, and our Father is younger than we. What a beautiful picture of God that God, on the day he created the world, he created the sun to go across the sky, and he said it was good. And the next day, he did it again. And then there's a beautiful sunset, and God says, do it again. Do it again. And he did it this morning, and he'll do it again tonight. Not because it's just automatic, but maybe because he takes great joy in it. And he created the flowers and the birds and the, and the animals and all of these things. And he said it was good. And then on the last day of creation, he created Adam and he created Eve. And he said it is very good. And I think when he looks upon us as well as his children, he hasn't grown tired of making us. In fact, he forms us and he looks upon us and he says, man, that's very, very good. And he smiles upon us. And when we have joy in our lives, we reflect the joy that God is shining in our lives. But when we turn away from him, 
and we do not reflect that joy, when, we, when our lives are filled with sorrow, it is oftentimes because of sin. Now, the effects of sin that were done indirectly or maybe even because of our own sin, but for one reason or another, sin is always out there to rob us of joy. But God looks upon us and he smiles. And so we, as people of, of his, ought to be filled with joy as well. Joy, as Lewis said, is the serious business of heaven. Joy flows from God's work in our lives. Joy is a testimony to the world. And thirdly, joy is our prayer going forward. Look at verse 4. It says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. The Negev was a dry, arid region in Israel in which no plants would grow most of, during most of the year. But then during the rainy season, the water would come, and all of a sudden, at least for a few weeks, it would get all green and flowers would uh, bud, and it was a beautiful thing. And here, are the, and here are the Israelites praying, Restore to our fortunes like the rivers of Negev. God, we're going through some difficult things. God, we're experiencing some hardships. It's a dry and arid time of life, but send your rains. God, may we ex- we've experienced your wonderful work, and we pray that you would do it again. As David said in an earlier psalm, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so now, lastly, joy gives us strength to fight. And that's found here in verses 5 and 6. Joy gives us strength to fight. Those who sow, sow with tears will, will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, will, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This idea that we reap in sorrow sometimes, but, but we continue to press on for the hope of joy. Weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And so we persevere. These, this song was given to help the Israelites prepare to worship. Nehemiah was also a prophet that would help the people worship. And he said in, to the people in, Jer- in Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. So in other words, have a celebration, a time of joy. And send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is to be holy to God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. You see, the joy of the Lord is what gives us the strength to persevere through difficult times. It is also what gives us the strength to resist temptation. Sometimes I think we don't don't have the strength to resist temptation because we don't truly know the joy that God is offering us uh, is, is offering us. And so the, the things of this world look awfully attractive. And the things uh, of sin seem like they promise some sort of happiness or joy. And what we don't realize is that life with God is so much better. You see, when we, are truly become, when we truly come to know that a life that is lived with and for Jesus is the best life possible, this is the joy that begins to give us the strength to fight. Dallas Willard said it this way, Failure to obtain a deeply satisfying life always has the effect of making sinful action seem good. You understand what he is saying here? When we don't have a fully satisfying life or when we don't have a vision 
of what it really looks like to live with God, then sin can seem kind of good. And here lies the strength of temptation. Normally our success in overcoming temptation will be easier if we are basically happy in our lives. In other words, if we basically have this deep-rooted sense of joy. For to cut off the joys and pleasures associated with our bodily lives and social existence as unspiritual, when we begin to see the relationships around us and the things that relate to our bodies and our social existence, when we see those as unspiritual and not as from God, they can actually have the effect of weakening us in our efforts to do what is right. My prayer is every week that as we gather, for worship, and as we hear the word preached, and as you go and pray and read the word throughout the week, and as you meet with your small group, that God would continue to be giving us a vision for what life would look like with him. Because that is where I think the strength comes, to say no to to sin and yes to God. We were created to say yes to God. Ultimately, we are looking forward to the day when we will stand before God in heaven, right? And what a day of joy that will be when we stand before God in all of his glory, this being who is the the most joyful being in all the universe. And Jesus says, he describes it in Matthew 25 this way. He says, all of us will stand before God and God is on his throne and those who are his followers will will receive these words. Come and enter in to the joy of your master. Wow. What a great thought. The joy of God that will wrap his arms around us and embrace us in his joy and we will be filled with that same kind of joy. It is a beautiful picture that that hopefully gives us the motivation to continue to pursue joy in our everyday lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your joy. And God, now as we uh, think about our own lives, and the world that we live in. We pray that the joy of the Lord would be our strength, that we would turn to you and that you would fill us with your hope and with your joy, that you would fill us with actually with joy overflowing, and that as a church we would be known as a people of joy. Help us not to pretend like everything's okay when it's not, but help us to regularly look to you and find a strength that we could not find on our own a joy that is only given by your Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.